Today's intention is to be transparent. Both Justin and I have awesome stories around facing our challenges, our fears, um, and still trying to overcome those today in the spirit of living with intention. And I know that if we're transparent, we're vulnerable, um, the, the listeners for today's show will get so much out of it. So today's intention is to be transparent. Hey, it's Bobby. Welcome to Student of Intention, where we help you enjoy the pursuit of purpose. Remember, don't wait, start small, learn as you go. Hello, friends, and welcome to Student of Intention. I'm your host, Bobby Dysart. As you know, we started Student of Intention to help you all, uh, as well as myself, continue to enjoy the pursuit of purpose. I want to lead the show again with, with a lesson, actually maybe two today. I just got back from officiating a really good friend's wedding in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And a couple things uh, I took away from that experience. One, I mean, I've been to a ton of weddings. I absolutely love them. I'm a, a romantic at heart. So you're talking about love. You're talking about connection and family, like sign me up tenfold. I love me some weddings. Now, that said, I've, I've shown up differently to all of the weddings um, historically that I've gone to than I showed up to this wedding. Um, notably, I think most notably is how I showed up for the bride and groom. It's my fourth wedding that I've officiated, but definitely the one that I took the most serious. I wanted to make sure I was a pillar of love, of connectivity for my friends Richard and Melly, and, and I made certain that I showed up uh, in a way that could foster that sort of um, reaction, both from from them as well as their family members and friends that had made the trip had made the trip. And so I wasn't there uh, to get drunk and to connect with old friends like I normally would do at a wedding. Um, I was there to be a pillar again for for their family members and their friends. And in doing so, I was able to have deep conversations with you know, strangers with folks that maybe I normally wouldn't have connected with in that sort of environment. And not only was it rewarding um, um, for myself, uh, but but I also learned or, or relearned, I should say, that you know we kind of all share similar challenges and opportunities. We all sort of yearn for this life of living with intention. We all sort of want more enjoyment out of our, our daily lives, our, our little moments. I ran into uh, a guy named Joel that uh, on one hand had a successful career in computer science, but every part of his being is saying, go be a photographer, go be that artist. And he's kind of figuring out that, that balance right now in his life and how he can lean more into that photography work um, and less away from, from how he's built a living. Um, I met uh, a young, a young, young person. I think he was in his twenties, uh, a guy named Nico that he's an aspiring tech executive, um, just started at a, a, a crypto company. And, you know, he's a graduate from Stanford has, has nothing but opportunity in front of him. And similarly at that young age, he, he really wants to paint. Um, that's his passion. Um, but painting to him, it doesn't seem to be the most, uh, successful, successful leading type of endeavor, right? He, he kind of has these visions of being a poor painter. Um, I met, I met another old friend that, um, she had just recently quit her job because 
she felt she was doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, she felt that she was showing up there for the vanity's sake. It was a big brand, a very, um, you know, brand that has a lot of success around it. And she was, again, kind of there for the wrong reasons and also just facing a ton of burnout. Um, in her words, she wasn't maintaining her energy levels well enough and she wasn't taking care of herself. And so, again, it was it was great to connect with these people, but I just learned this lesson that we're really all in this all in this together. Um, you know, none of us really have it figured out. We all have these challenges and opportunities in front of us around living with more intention, showing up uh, better in our lives and having more grat gratitude for what's in our lives currently. And so with that, I'll shift to my guest, who I know um, is as accomplished as he is, says again and again that he doesn't have it figured out either. And that most of our heroes, our mentors, the folks that we would think have it the most figured out, um, struggle with the same challenges and have, you know, they eye the same opportunities that we do. His name is Justin Welsh, uh, a longtime acquaintance and friend. Justin and I went to Ohio State together. We briefly worked together at ZocDoc, and um, we both hail from the tech sales leadership world. Justin has done um, an, a, an amazing job of leaning into a life of intention, particularly over the last year or so. Um, he's coined, at least in my world, world, the phrase solopreneur. He's now the founder of JW Strategic Advisory. He's a mentor at 500 startups in Latin America, a limited partner at GTM fun. And I think most recognizably, he's probably the most followed LinkedIn profile, at least the one that I know. Um, if you haven't checked him out on LinkedIn, please do. He's, he's, he's has gold content every day. I look forward to what message he's going to send next. Um, Justin, welcome to student of intention. Bobby, it's great to be here, man. It's good to, uh, it's good to see you. It's good to catch up. It's good to uh, talk a little shop and thanks for the kind intro. I appreciate it. You got it. You got it. Yeah. I think you're involved in so many things, man. I, I could have gone on and on. Um, again, it's, it's really inspiring to see um, particularly, and, and it really relates to me um, transitioning out um, in some ways of, of, of our kind of traditional tech sales leader roles. Um, so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll get to that. I, I want to start with um, one thing that you did um, in particular that, that just kind of struck me as, as admirable, exciting, was just moving from LA to, to Tennessee. How, how has that been? It's been great. Um, you know, when, when COVID hit, my wife and I were, were both working for ourselves and we sort of took a look around and I think you and I were, were talking about it before the show. My original intention was to, to move abroad. I've always wanted to live abroad and, and we were on our way to Mexico City, but, um, COVID put a stop to that. And so we had to make some changes. And so we thought, you know, where, where can we live a great life? Um, where can we get more bang for our buck? Uh, where can it be easier to be two solopreneurs, you know, working for themselves? And so we kind of built a spreadsheet and we plotted a bunch of places and we, Went on Redfin and did some, did some Redfinning and then, uh, we landed on Nashville. And so we flew here 
we landed here, I think, at 3.30. We saw our first house at 5.30. We made an offer at 7.30. And at 8.30, we were the proud owners of a house here in East Nashville after seeing just one place. And so we've, we'd only been here one time for a couple of days for a wedding. And we came back and we absolutely love it. We live in East Nashville. It's really um, kind of liberal, artsy kind of area. A lot of good music, a lot of great bars and restaurants. And uh, the people here have been extremely welcoming. And it's been a great change for us. Wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. I mean, much like I think you suggest we do with, um, entrepreneurial endeavors, you know, um, you know, leaning into our passions, you know, you, you acted quick and, uh, you've landed on a house after just, just checking out one. Yeah. We just saw one house and it's the house that I'm sitting in now. And we love, we loved it. We, we, we fell in love with it right away. And, um, we, we just wanted to make the, the best offer that we could make. And so we, we got some Intel, we made an offer and we were, we were fortunate enough to get it. And we've been here now, I think, I think about eight months and it's just been a tremendous experience. I, I really love Nashville. I, I didn't know what to expect and, uh, I've been blown mm. away. That's awesome. And like, it's so, it's so key. It's just another reminder of like changing our environment, how powerful that can be for, um, our relationships, for our health, uh, certainly for our work endeavors and to be intentional about it. Like you were like, it sounds like it was definitely the right move. Yeah, it was. And, um, you know, part of, part of sort of this redesign of my life that I wanted to do was to, not have to work as much as I was working prior to. And you and I did some work together at Patient Pop as well. And you kind of saw that, that machine and that was a 80 to 100 hour work week. And I wanted to make sure that the place that I chose, um, <clears throat> wouldn't trap me into a, in, into a, a work effort like that. And so it's great because it's a lower cost of living. So I can maintain a high quality of life and reduce the amount of hours that I work and spend more time with my, my wife and our three dogs. It just makes such simple sense, doesn't it? <laughs> to me, it pretty does. Pretty straightforward. Yep. <laughs> pretty straightforward. Well, awesome. Um, yeah, I want to. So, I want to talk about a couple other things that you have on your plate. So, I just recently um, purchased your course um, on. Uh, I can't even remember what it's called, actually, but <laughs> it's basically no on like how to, how to live with more intention, at least from a work perspective. Um, and I mm -hmm. wanted to ask you about kind of the process of going through that, um, for those that haven't, that haven't purchased the course, what I liked about it mm -hmm. right away was I could tell there's a ton of value. Um, it, it didn't cost that much. Like it was a relatively low cost. And I could also tell that like you put forth a good product, like a really solid product, but I could tell it like, wasn't overproduced for lack of a better phrase. Mm -hmm. Um, you talk about yeah. kind of putting that together and, and whether or not I hit the mark with that description. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what I was trying to capture, which is in order to, in my opinion, right? And this is, this is just my personal stance on, on living. One of the easiest ways to kind of shift your life is to make some income that's a bit more automated. And if you have some automated income coming in, then you can spend your time more effectively. And so the course, which is, it's called idea audience proof product. And it's just really four steps to taking an idea that you have, um, building up your audience proving out your expertise and then building a digital product. And so that's what I did. I did that prior to that course and I built a six figure uh, information product. And so I wanted to teach people how to do that because it's freed up a tremendous amount of my time. And the way that I think about producing those things is I had two options. I could either rent a studio in New York city or a you know, skyscraper in Manhattan 
or a private plane. And I could pretend that I was way richer or much more interesting than I truly am in real life and price it at $797 and stand in front of a Lamborghini and tell everyone how rich I am. That's just not who I am as a human being. And so that wasn't my, my intention with the course. Instead, I made it 99 bucks. I recorded it here in my office in Nashville. I time boxed it to 30 days and I tried to jam as much information as I could into it. And so what, what ended up happening is you get a $99 course that teaches you everything I learned over two years building information products, three hours and 28 minutes worth of content. And now it doesn't matter if you're a college grad, a recent college grad or a entry level employee or the founder of a business, you know, hopefully it's affordable for lots of folks. And my, my goal is to have thousands and thousands of people take it and then say, Hey, this was awesome. And this helped me make a few extra thousand bucks a month to pay my mortgage or pay my rent or pay my cell phone bill or whatever you're trying to take off your plate. That that's my goal. Mm. Mm. That's a great goal. And I think you nailed it. Um, again, like, I'm about halfway through the course and just, I, I think those three things just hold so true right away from seeing it. Like I could tell you, you definitely weren't standing in front of a Lamborghini, which I think was the right move. <laughs> um, but you got a ton of value out there and, and it was an easy purchase um, for me. It was kind of a no brainer um, at that price point. So thank you for, for putting the work cool. in and for, for pricing it as such. Now you talk a little bit about it in the course and you kind of referenced it just there. I'm interested in like, what does Justin have to look like on a day to day, moment to moment basis? Like, what do you have to do to, to show up to be able to produce that kind of work? What's, what's some of your anchors, I guess, some of your intentions that you, you live by to make sure that you can lead this life that you want to live? Yeah, I think first it's really understanding just the idea of time as currency. So <clears throat> this all kind of goes back to, to 2017. And um, I wrote about it this morning in, in a blog article that I, I shared where I was super overworked and I was 36 years old. Um, I was just overweight, overworked, not doing very well mentally or physically um, when I was trying to build this big SaaS company, right? And um, I had a pretty massive panic attack in 2017. And it had, you know, 911 and EMS. And, and I actually thought I was just dying right there in front of my wife in our apartment in Culver City. And um, that was a really bad day. And so that day, I kind of reflected on what had happened and started to recognize that time is the ultimate currency. I was all focused on money. I was focused on money, title, prestige, ego, all the things that a lot of young people are focused on as they're trying to grow their career. And at that very specific moment, time became the most important thing to me. And so for me, most of what I try and do and still fail at often is designing my days and weeks to spend as much time doing things I love and as little time doing things I don't. And most of what I love is spending time with my wife, my dogs, going out to eat, trying new restaurants, enjoying the things that, that me and my wife really like to do. And so I try and put up barriers and barriers to me is a really, really clear and crisp schedule. It's knowing how to say no to a lot of things that aren't relevant to, you know, my, my end goal. Th those are really sort of the, the guidelines that I follow most is control my time and treat my time as, as I either make choices to spend time with, with someone online or my wife. And so they better have a, a darn good reason, um, or else I'm choosing them over my wife. And so I think about that with every choice that I make. Mm. And the time thing, I think it's everything. Um, I, I, and I, I, you know what? I just realized like we haven't even really caught up since I started 
student of intention. So I'm sure you're aware of some of the stuff just from, from us following each other online. Um, but you know, in, in my own world, I, I think that was the first thing that I noticed kind of change. I, I actually, I don't think I was seeking time. I was more seeking kind of balance and, and kind of guidance, uh, in my own life. And like, um, again, kind of saw the writing on the wall with, with how I was spending my days, even as a consultant, right? Like, I think you, you talked about that, um, in today's post that like my first attempt at like writing the wrong, um, for lack of a better phrase in my life was like, okay, go be an entrepreneur again. I had done it before, but I hadn't done it in a consultant route, hadn't done it on my own. And in 2019, I started my own consultancy and like things happened. Like I got, I got great customers. I got to work with you guys at patient pop, but, um, just to, just after COVID hit, like I started to realize like, well, this isn't it either. Um, and, and I was kind of a slave to my customers. I was a slave to, um, you know, my processes and my, you know, and, and just some of the business happenings. And I wasn't enjoying it to the level that, that, that I thought I would. Um, and then after a retreat in September of last year, I came out of it with this idea, this framework for living with intention. I'll call the five bucket. And it's basically this practice of naming intentions on a weekly basis that I had, um, I had installed in my own life out of almost survival, <laughs> almost for me to, to kind of, again, um, to, to live with more intention, to figure out my way out of a hole. I didn't necessarily know I was in and in doing so actually the byproduct was more time. Um, and, and I, it was one of the things I immediately noticed within like three weeks of doing the practice. And I, th I would attribute it to kind of, I think just that, that, um, context, uh, in prioritization of like what I really enjoyed, right. I was setting intentions mm -hmm. around learning, around creativity, around my relationships, particularly with my wife, um, and, and my close friends. Right. And because I was like making sure I got about, I think, uh, anywhere from like 13 to 15 of those intentions accomplished every single week. And these could be very, very small moments, right. I define an intention as a moment I want to experience, and because I was doing that, I noticed time just started kind of showing up. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting um, when you take things that are really important and you pull them to the forefront, and you take everything that's not very important and you and you cancel it or or remove it completely. What what's left is just extra time, and so um, <clears throat> it's hard, right? Like I'm a people pleaser by nature, so I say yes to a lot of things. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm getting better at that. And so now what I'm trying to do is, is keep an empty calendar, keep time for creativity, writing, reading, creating things. That's, that's stuff that makes me happy and excited. And so, you know, I've, I've worked my way. I'm still consulting and advising, but I'm doing it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I have a really good small group of clients that, that are perfectly aligned with what I'm trying to do. And Monday and Friday are creative days for me. So I have two full days off, you know, not including the weekend. And, and that's the life that I want to design right now. It's not exactly where I want it to be yet, but it's on its way there. Absolutely. And, and yes, I mean, oh, that, that's everything too. having those right clients that, that are aligned with what you're doing. Uh, I'm in the same boat. I actually had, um, one of my clients, Rosy Boswell of all voices on, on the show a couple of weeks ago. And it's, <clears throat> isn't that just the best when you can, um, kind of mix both worlds, uh, in a, in kind of a har harmonious way, um, where, where your clients just kind of get it and get you. 
Yeah. And I think part of what I did really effectively was just really niched down to, to what I know the best. And so I accept clients who I know I can be extraordinarily meaningful to. And because, you know, I think of my business as outcomes, not ours, you know, I, I can make a very good living, um, helping them transform their businesses quite, quite well. And it's a win-win for both sides. It lets me live better for, for less time and it lets them accelerate their business, you know, w- without making the expensive mistakes that they might have made. Mm. Mm. Um, so, so tell me more about these creative days. You said that was Monday and Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do a couple of things. So <clears throat> I, I've spent the last two and a half years writing every morning. Um, you know, I, I write something and then I post it on social media and, you know, it started as getting very little response. And then over the last two and a half years, it's grown to getting, you know, a lot of, of responses. And so, um, that was great. And like, I became better at that. And I looked back over time and I looked back two and a half years ago and thought, boy, I think I've gotten a lot better at this. You know, you kind of laugh at your old writing when you, when you start to write every day. And so I thought to myself, there, there's, there's gotta be another challenge out here to figure out. And so I started to do long form writing, which I'm, I'm just naturally very poor at. And, um, I started to attribute every Monday and Friday to trying to take some of the ideas that were inside of my mind. And instead of putting them into pithy short posts that I can put on social media, I wanted to really go deep into each of these topics. And so I started doing that about four weeks ago and trying to write longer form content. And even after four weeks, I can look back and say, I think I've started to get a little bit better. And um, so that's been really exciting for me. But creativity to me isn't just writing. It's also cooking with my wife. I love to cook. And so my wife loves to cook as well. So we've been, especially, you know, during COVID, we've been making, you know, interesting new foods. We've been trying to bake things and like, it's great because it's a creative process that does two things. It takes you away from the computer, number one, which can be really addicting when you're locked down in your house. Number two is you're working on a project together, which is awesome. And I think that um, that's really important in this point in my life is like spending time doing something and working on something creatively with my wife. And so that's why that's, that's what I do Mondays and Fridays. No, I mean, I'm so glad you shared that. And you definitely, that was the other thing I liked about the course. You shared your first posts uh, on LinkedIn to like, <laughs> at least, at least prove like, Hey, this hasn't always been the case. You know, I'm not always the guy that, you know, gets, um, you know, hundreds of likes and tens of thousands of, of views and, 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 you know, what have you. Um, so that was cool. I'm glad you, you, you were vulnerable enough to throw that in there. Um, and then, yeah, it, creativity, it doesn't, uh, I say it's like, um, what, do, what do I compare it to in the book? I say it's a knife that needs sharpened. And I, I mm-hmm. slot it right under relationships in terms of order of operations of, of the importance of, of, of each bucket. So relationships I put right there as, as the top um, to make sure we have relationships working for us as opposed to against us. But like the 1A, 1B relationship, I, I don't even consider it 1 to 2. It's like 1B is creativity. Um, but it's also the most like, ignored skill. Like, you know, even at, you know, I I think at patient pop, like we didn't, you know, we didn't have people, you know, practicing creativity yet when it comes to prospecting, when it comes to running meetings, when it comes to figuring out their work, it kind of demands creativity yet. We don't like, we don't have a practice at like refining that skill of creativity. Yeah. We, we think about creativity as the arts. That's the problem is we think about like when you, when you hear creative, you think about painting, 
writing, drawing, design, things like that. But really there's creativity in everything that we do. And I think creativity, it it can actually be very similar to autonomy. To me, um, autonomy is, is a slice of creativity, which basically means, can you figure out how to do things on your own? Right. That, that is creativity in a nutshell. And so I think you don't have to write or draw or sing or play an instrument while those things are wildly creative. Sure. Like creativity to me is just being able to figure stuff out when you have very little help. And so, you know, fixing a problem, solving a challenge, finding something online, like, I just have this new personal website and, you know, I wanted to code it. I wanted to like fix the code and I have no idea how to do that. I'm not a developer. I have no skills there, but I just spent hours teaching myself how to do like the easiest, simplest things that I'm sure like they teach in kindergarten <laughs> now. And, but, but the, but the, the, the impact, like when I wrote a line of code and it, I clicked a button and like my font color changed, made me meaningless to everyone. But to me, it was like a complete triumph. And so uh, those are things I think about when I think of creativity. I think of figuring stuff out and exciting yourself by, by learning new things. I can't agree more, man. And um, what I will say, though, is like, I I think one of the things that is really admirable that you're doing that people need to listen to and they need to take this into action is you're leaning into something you don't consider a strength, which is is long form writing. Right. Um, uh, When we do that, when we write, when we draw, when we dance, I would argue that it does impact our ability to problem solve in a positive way, even if it's not necessarily art. In fact, like throw out that word, you know, capital A art. It's it's again, skill building. So um, I, I think that that that's very admirable and something the the listeners need to take away. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned cooking too. I actually had my kind of coding moment the other day when I was making a vegan butternut squash soup, like, not a big deal to my wife who's been cooking in our household forever. Um, I, I was running around with this soup. I actually made it three times in the same week. Um, I, I put it into a big uh, jar and I took it to one of my friend's houses and I'm like, you got to taste this soup. This is amazing. And it it wasn't because it was that amazing. It was because I put in the sweat equity, put in the mental energy to figure it out. And I'll be darned if I don't think that that somehow made my writing better, somehow made my, um, you know, made this podcast better and has ripple effects into, you know, all my other creative or occupational pursuits. Yeah, I I agree. I think, again, when you're learning a new skill, what you're really doing is problem solving. You're, You're figuring out how to do something that you don't know how to do. And that applies really, really well to almost all areas of life. And I think when you think about the people who build big businesses or, or, you know, create really incredible art. If you want to use that as an example, like they're problem solvers, they figured out how to do something really cool and, and, um, or they had a challenge they wanted to solve by, by using art or building a business and they went out and they did those things. And so for me, I think that writing, writing long form unlocks like a, a challenge for me. Well, it would be boring if all I did was write things that I already knew how to write for the last two and a half years. Life just gets really boring. And so to me, it's like, I'd much rather spend time doing things that I'm not very good at to keep it spicy. And someday, hopefully, I'll be a really good long form writer. And then maybe you'll see me on video more, or maybe I'll uh, be drawing more. But right now, like, that's the skill that I'm zoned in on and want to keep working on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so I kind of want to go back in time a little bit. Um, and you, and you spoke about it a little bit, you know, th- thanks again for sharing the story of, 
you know, your panic attack. Like, I mean, that sounds really challenging and, and, um, you know, God knows I've, I've had my own bouts with anxiety and, and, and things that were kind of brought on by a stressful work environment. Um, what, what, what did those uh, outside of like making the decision that time was important to you? What did the Mm -hmm. other kind of first steps look like? Cause those first steps, particularly for someone like you, like you were successful, man, you were, uh, you know, a CRO VP of sales at a, a high paced, you know, super successful SaaS business. So, you know, some people might say like, Oh, he's already successful, but I, I would say, no, he, he walked away from, from something, um, you know, that, that was comfortable in some ways that was like, um, again, a, a, an achievement that you had worked your, your butt off to get to. What did those first steps of like veering away from that look like? Yeah, I think the the first step was just like perspective, right? Just just stopping and pausing for a minute and saying, okay, what just happened, right? Like what just happened? And if that continues to happen, how does life change? And I knew that if I continued to work the way that I was working and treating my body and my brain the way that I was treating them, that it wouldn't end well. Like that was just very objective. And so the first thing I started to do was I started to treat my body better. Um, I quit drinking for 90 days. Um, I started to exercise more. I started to fast. I did a lot of those things right away. And, and those were changes that I made that I just had to make because I was treating myself really poorly. Um, when you start to treat your body better, your mind starts to work a little bit better. And so I got a clearer mind. I started to realize Pareto's principles in my job, which was I was trying to do everything and Really, I needed to focus on the most impactful 20%. And so I started to take things off of my plate that, you know, where time sucks, but weren't super important. And I got myself into a really good space physically. You know, I lost 40 pounds right away, not right away, but within three or four months and um, was feeling really good. But I was still, my, my brain was still pretty mushy and I was working pretty hard and I was still grinding it out. And so I just said to myself, like, life's short. Right. Time is the ultimate currency and you got kind of, I'm not, I'm not religious. You know, I'm spiritual, but I, I'm not religious. I believe this is it. And so, um, I said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta start to create this life that you want. And it's now or never. And so I, I walked away from my role and, you know, I did it the right way. I worked with the co-founders to, to make sure that everything went really, really smoothly. Um, you know, I got a really great last day and a send off from the team. And so that was awesome. You know, I, a lot of people don't get the chance to do that. And then I started working on really kind of retooling my my life, right? Choosing my days more wisely, choosing my time more wisely, treating my body better, going to therapy. These were all things that I started doing. Am I struggling still to this day with some some things? Absolutely, right? I think I think we all are, but I'm certainly in a better place than I was in in 2017. And so now I think the next thing for me is continuing to find creative ways to work with my wife. I really enjoy spending time with her and, you know, potentially building a business together where we can earn money, spend time together and, and build the life that we always wanted. Good luck with that, man. That sounds, Thanks. That sounds awesome <laughs> and challenging. My wife would kick my butt in the yeah. boardroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, we, we, we we're the same way, but yeah, I think it'll be fun. awesome. In, in like, the health thing, so big, so big. It's like, it's the thing that's right in front of us that sometimes we just, we have a tendency to look past. It's like, well, I'm going to go educate myself. I'm going to go involve more people. I'm going to go be, you know, more strategic. I'm going to make partnerships. And it's like, well, 
<laughs> what can I do right in front of me? How, how, how can I make myself feel better? How can I make my mental clarity that much more clear? Right. And it, and it starts with what we eat, how we exercise, what kind of content we ingest. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of the pathway for me to, to, to starting student of intention, writing my first book. Um, that's where it started for me as well. I think I lost, I think I'm down 20 pounds now and I lost like maybe 12 pounds in that first month of naming intentions. And I think that's the best place to start is, is right, is right, right there with the health, right there with something you can control. That's that straightforward. Yeah. I think there's, there's, junk food for your body and there's junk food for your brain, right? So, um, you know, cutting out, cutting out both is not cutting them out, but reducing them, right. Is really important. And so obviously like eating better, not drinking as much alcohol when you're feeling stressed out, those are two, two wins for me. Um, you know, I think the other one is brain food, which is, um, especially here in COVID, we're stuck in front of our computers. You know, we can get away from them, but we're, we're all spending more time on our computers. That's just being shown objectively across the country. And, and unfortunately, what we're seeing is a lot of just really bad stuff, right? Especially with politics and, um, you know, hate and anger and like, as much as I think that I control my feelings when I log on in the morning and I see something really irritating on Twitter trends or on the news, like, the worst way to start your day is to start your day angry. And I still do that sometimes and it's something that I'm working on, but I eliminated Twitter trends from Twitter. I eliminated going to the news sites um, because I know their goal. Their goal is to make me feel the way that I just described. And so instead, I just, I try and listen to good, good music. I try and read good books, good podcasts. I try and follow people on Twitter who are optimistic. And so that's what I'm starting to do is curate really my ecosystem. And that has had a tremendous impact on my mind. Yeah. So you're, so the physical health, the mental health, you're um, not only eating better, you're curating the content that comes your way, staying away from the politics, um, the constant flood of, of negative news and more ingesting, um, you know, books that, uh, make you more curious, make you more, um, uh, knowledgeable, right? <clears throat> Anything else that, um, that, I think you would credit. And, and by the way, speak to the, speak to the blog post today too. Like, um, I, I, I read through it, but, um, I think relate, relate some of the other things that you do maybe to that, to that blog post. Cause it, it's, we're on a show about, you know, being a student of intention. So <laughs> let's have at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, for me, a, a few of the other things I do is I'm really intentional about, um, sharing my thoughts and opinions. And I think that, um, one thing that I see is people are really afraid to share their thoughts, their opinions, their work, their feelings openly and at scale online. And, um, that has been really freeing for me. That's been a really cool experience to share what I'm working on and how my life is changing as I try and go down this journey with other people. Because it used to be that social media was just like, you wrote something and that was it. But now you write and you connect and you form a community. And so for me, something that's been really powerful has been <clears throat> surrounding myself with other people who are also designing their life with intention, who are also trying to <clears throat> live a different way, who are trying to look at you know the old way of, of working from nine to five and, and do 
something a little bit different. And so that's been really huge for me is just taking that action, seizing opportunity, and then continuing to go and do it every day with consistency, really generating momentum in the online world. That's surrounded me with like 20, 30, 40 really cool peers that if you're having a crappy day or your mind's not in the right place or you're not feeling good, that you can go to. And especially with COVID, I only have my wife here. It's really great to have additional outlets. So that's been something I've been really intentional about. I think the other thing that's been really helpful for me is starting as I realize that time is the, the utmost currency, recognizing things that aren't. And the things that aren't to me are things. And so I'm trying to detach myself from things, from um, buying stuff buying clothes, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lean towards a more minimalist lifestyle, reducing the clutter in my house and really being intentional about where I spend my money. Because to me, money can do two things. It can buy things or it can buy you time. And I would much rather buy time and freedom with my money than I would buy things. And that's been a huge learning for me over the past five years. <clears throat> Oh man, I, I kind of want to get vulnerable here with you. Um, cause like, I know, I, I know you weren't always this person that could share your thoughts and perspectives so freely, right? Like you weren't always that human being in me. Like I I've always been pretty creative when it comes to writing. Um, but, but I haven't had that voice. And even now, um, with every week that I write the newsletter, I, you know, and anytime I post on social, um, I don't have the recipe. I don't really know what I'm doing. And so I'm like, you know, there's days where I'm like, oh, nobody's reading this. What am I even saying? Nobody cares. You know, and then there's days where fortunately I have someone give me feedback and, and tell them that, um, you know, they're really impacted by what I'm doing, what I'm saying. Um, they're excited about it. Um, how did you, I guess two questions. One, like how, how, what do you credit kind of you getting over that? Cause again, I know you weren't always like that. And B, what's this group you talked about? Is this formalized or is this just more people that you know you can lean on? Yeah, it's great, great question. So I think the first one is <clears throat> in 2017, I, I, I talked about this, this sort of panic attack that I had. And I knew when I had that, that something in my life had to change. And I had this hypothesis that um, self-employment would be good for me, that like going out and self-employment would be the driver in this more intentional life. And I also believed that if I was going to be self-employed, that one thing I might need is some attention. And people get really like, they really kind of cringe at that word when I use it. Like, look at me, I want attention, but that's what it is. That's what social media is. It's attention. And people who try and act like they're not really trying to get your attention are lying. And so I'd rather just be honest about what it is. And so I said to myself, okay, I'm going to build a business. I need some attention from SaaS founders. If I'm going to sell products, I need an attention from an audience of some sort. And so that's all there was to it. Like I knew I needed that. And so I knew I had to get started and it's like anything else. You take your first step and it's really nerve wracking, but I took it and no one responded. And I paused for four months because I was embarrassed. I tried again, got a few more, a little bit more. And then after posting for like six or eight months, I wrote something that resonated and a million and a half people read it in one day. And that was the hook for me. I was like, oh, this is cool. I, I figured this out. But it didn't just happen. Like I read books. I studied movie scripts. Like I tried all these really interesting things to become a better writer. But to me, the catalyst was just knowing that it, it was either 
either I did it or I didn't. And I wanted to put the success of my business on the back of getting some attention. So that was really, really critical and in, in maybe taking that first step. And the, the group that I'm talking about is not a formalized group. What, what it is, is after writing for two and a half years every day, I've curated this really cool ecosystem of people that write me on LinkedIn, write me on Twitter, send me emails. I've jumped on Zoom calls with them. I've gotten to know them over time. And they're so different. They're not just SaaS salespeople, not just founders, not just my clients, like really interesting people from India, Berlin, Poland, you know, South America, Latin America, like all these really cool people with different takes from different cultures. And so if I'm having a crappy day or I need a challenge and I can't figure out how to solve a challenge, like I have this cool group of people that I've never even met in person that I can reach out to. And I know that they'll get back to me with really good information or advice. That's just the byproduct of building an audience. And that's why I love it. Mm. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome to kind of uh, <clears throat> go down the rabbit hole of your comments, um, which I've done a few times and just seeing the people from all walks of life. Like it's a varied group um, that that's got to be cool. It is. When I log on to my web analytics to see where people are visiting my website from, it's super cool. Like, you know, 300 visitors from Africa, you know, 200 from Japan. And it's just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you know, my thoughts are being read by a couple thousand people in different continents and countries. And, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm not, I don't have hundreds of thousands of, of readers. I don't have millions of readers, but that's okay. I've got a cool group of readers from across, across the globe. And I've had a, an opportunity to meet some really awesome people. And that's part of what I'm doing with, with the creative time is trying to extend that ecosystem. Absolutely. Now on, on, um, going back to the, to when you were kind of chipping away at building your audience, was it solely writing that you were changing? Was there, uh, I guess two questions. Was there anything you else you were doing to improve your engagement? Um, and was there anything that you're like, I definitely wasn't doing this. Like, don't do this. <laughs> yeah. So my, my thought process was consistency is probably the most important thing when building an audience. And so if you distill that down into how should I behave when I'm building, I've always believed that doing something I enjoy gives me the highest likelihood of doing it consistently. And so I enjoy writing, um, especially short form. It's one of my favorite things because I can crank it out. I can get my thoughts out. Um, I like being on video like you and I are right now um, where I can see you, but I don't like turning the video on myself. Um, I also don't like hosting podcasts. I tried it for a while and just something I'm not super excited about. And so I thought to myself, if I'm going to create content every day, I, the best chance of consistency is doing something I like. And so I just said, I'm only going to write. And so I wrote every single day instead of trying to do a podcast or trying to get on video. And that's what I've done. I'm not a video guy or an audio guy. You'll see me writing every morning and I keep doing that. Um, in terms of things not to do, I don't believe in overinflating your ego with false dopamine. So for example, could I go form a pod of people where we all agreed to like each other's stuff every morning and see better engagement? Of course I could. I could do that tomorrow. I could do that with 30 or 50 people tomorrow if I wanted to do that. What would that do? It would just be me admitting that what I'm writing isn't very interesting and that it requires false engagement in order to generate it. So I don't, that's just not what I do. I also don't um, believe in uh, 
sharing other people's content as my own or stealing other people's content or copying or, or shine. Like I write under my own name. I take account. I, I hold myself accountable for the content that I create. And, um, so I try and create my own stuff every day. And that's, that's two things, you know, grouping together and stealing people's stuff and putting your name on it that I just think is, I don't know. I think it's self-serving. Yeah. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> uh, cool. So, so yeah, it really was, um, this commitment to consistency <clears throat> to, um, tweaking your own writing style and finding your own voice, um, that, that kind of led to your, your audience growth and, and, and where you're at now on LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's the way that I think about it is like most people have a very direct brand. I do X, right? I teach people how to do X. I teach people how to do Y. Uh, mine is not like that. And sometimes I get frustrated by that and other, I feel like I should zero in. But like today I talked about building an intentional life. Tomorrow I might talk about how to generate a bigger audience on LinkedIn. The next day I might talk about how to make extra side hustle money. I talk about a lot of different things because I think about a lot of different things. And so in one angle, like I could continue to write in a really niche area, but I like, I'm interested in so many different things that I like to think that my audience follows me because they like me, they don't like building an audience on LinkedIn or designing an intentional life or making money online. They're just interested in, in connecting with someone. And so my ultimate goal is to be the brand and to be the, the person that the audience really connects with versus the idea. And, um, I might fail, but I'm trying. <laughs> I, I, I think you're doing it for sure, man. You're not just trying, you're doing it. Um, and I love it. I love how you're doing it. I love when you're doing it. It's, it's funny. I, I, I sometimes forget that you're in Tennessee and I'm up at like four thirty, five o'clock, usually for early runs and I'll see you posting. I'm like, man, that guy's up early. I'm like, oh, he's in Tennessee though. So, um, <laughs> no, I love, I love it all, man. Um, <clears throat> oh crap. I forgot what I wanted to ask you about, but, um, Oh, I guess I'll move on. I'll move on. Oh, oh, you said uh, something interesting. I just kind of caught it. Like sometimes you get frustrated that you're not like narrow enough in your brand. What What's that about? Yeah, sometimes I forget that like my creativity serves a purpose, a, a greater purpose than to um, earn an income, um, you know, because that's building stuff online is not my primary source of income, right? I'm, I'm an advisor to, to SaaS companies and I see other people doing a really good job at niching down and being really specific. And I look at myself and I say, oh, I talk about all kinds of things and I could probably just talk about one of these things and do a better job and build more products around that. Um, but then I realize that I'm focused on the wrong thing, that I have the wrong purpose. And my purpose is to be creative and it's it's a purpose that's enjoyment. It's an out, it's it's something that I get things off my chest or I get stuff out out from inside, and um, I get frustrated for a moment, and then I remember why I'm creating and why I spend time writing, and it's for it's for me. And if people really enjoy it, then that's that's awesome. Um, but there's definitely those times where I pivot back to thinking about money, income, selling products, and. I promised myself that I would get out of that, 
And so that's just sort of a slip into old behavior and old thought processes. And so when I get frustrated, I try and fix that. I just got frustrated about it this morning. I was just chatting about it with my wife this morning. My wife's got a real good niche going and and I'm just, you know, I like to talk about all kinds of things. And so I got frustrated about it. And then just sitting here chatting with you, I remember why I do the things that I do and, and got, you know, got a little bit more aligned with my intentions. So, um, yeah, I'm just human on, and get, get frustrated when I, when I could think I could be doing something better. Oh man, I'm so glad you said that. Like, I, I'm just going to be selfish with this podcast. I'm just like going to keep pulling stuff out of you that, that really relates to my situation. Um, I, I was just talking to Chris, um, the, the sound engineer and, and guy who runs the studio. Um, we were talking the other day about like this kind of balancing act between our artist self and our entrepreneur self, right? And like, there's an element of, I would say quality and beauty of just creating for the sake of creating, right? Particularly early on um, in my journey with the book and and even still with student of intention, like so much of I'm doing it is is because of what you said. Like, I need to get this stuff out. Um, I need to, I need to channel these things. You know, I didn't do a podcast because I wanted to be, you know, Joe Rogan. I did a podcast because mm-hmm. I wanted that different medium to help add to my writing and to, to see what it's like, just to have a little fun. I did a, I, uh, Chris and I started a music show called the Bobby Dicer music show on Spotify. Um, you know, this is a guy who commercializes podcasts. And when I tell Chris, like, I kind of want to do this music show where I play like six or eight songs. I'm, and I say like two to three minute messages in between. I might quote Ram Dass <laughs> or Alan Waz. And he's like, that has no commercial <laughs> element to it at all. He's like, I don't even think you can charge for it. I'm like, I don't care. I've always wanted to be a DJ. I'm doing it. <laughs> and now it's one of the funnest things that we do on a week to week basis. Um, but, but it's tough to balance, man. It, you, you do kind of like feel like actually I need to get more, particularly as a sales leader. I'm like, I need to get a little bit more revenue focused on this thing. Yeah, I, I call it shiny outcome syndrome. Like we've all heard about shiny object syndrome where we get distracted by new and fun things, which I, I do all the time. Um, but to me, I call it shiny outcome syndrome, which is I get distracted by the outcome that I'm looking for. And I know right now that the outcome that I'm looking for is to unleash all the stuff that I have inside of me and just put it out there, right? Like that's just all I want to do is just put it out there and have a positive impact on people. When I write, like I wrote this blog post today, I got probably seven to 10 emails and Twitter DMs from people are like, this is awesome. This really resonated with me. I'm in, I feel like I'm in this part of my life's journey. And like, that's awesome. That's what I'm looking for. But I get that shiny outcome syndrome where you go online and you see other creators who are very monetary focused and they're talking about their wins for that month, how much money they made, you know, what they're pacing with their product, what they're pacing with their podcast. And then you're like, Oh, I want that. Oh, that's what I want. And that is a shiny outcome. And it's like, wait a minute, don't get distracted by others outcome. Like, do I like to make money? Of course. But like, if everything in the world is about making money, then you live the reverse of an intentional life, in my opinion. And so um, I get really focused for a moment when I see people having a tremendous amount of success. And then I like, I kind of narrow it back and I pivot back to center and be like, okay, here's why you're actually doing something. And that is the most common thing that I get uh, distracted by is other people's success. And I think that's common, right? People look at me who have a much smaller following and say, Oh, it's awesome. You have this really good traction. I look at people who are much bigger than me and feel the very same way. So it's, it's an, and if you do that, it's just like a never ending hamster wheel because you're 
unless you're the biggest out there, you're always looking upwards. And that kind of sucks. That does suck. And that's a great reminder, right? Like no matter what level of, you know, quote unquote success we reach, there's always someone a little bit bigger, um, in some ways, maybe even a little bit better. Um, so we have to bring it back to ourselves, right? Bring it back to what do we enjoy? How do we you know best spend our time in the ways that we want to? Um, so that's great. That's great. <clears throat> Um, all right. So we've got a, um, we've got a little time left. Um, you, man, we, we've already probably talked about several of these things. Um, cause you're so open and, and thank you for that, man. Like, um, uh, uh, on a podcast about living with intention, it's, it's so important to be vulnerable and transparent and, and you're that in spades and, and I just really appreciate it. Um, so I want to ask now, like you just said, like you're, you're still climbing, climbing the mountaintop. Um, you're still, you're still, you know, facing your, your fears, leaning into opportunities, figuring out your voice, your brand, you get distracted once in a while. Um, let's, let's, you know, work something out. Let's talk about something. The question we always ask on the show is what is something you want to metabolize? What is something you maybe want to get some intention about around right now? Yeah, I think probably what I want to get some intention around is just stability in terms of how I think about success. And so I'll I'll give you an example, Bobby. I I wake up some mornings and I go online. I look at my businesses and say like, this is a monster success. Like I'm having a good time. Um, You know, I'm making a good living. Uh, I'm getting a lot of really kind pieces of feedback and compliments from folks. Like this is a massive success. That same week, I will wake up at least twice or maybe even three times if it's a bad week and say, this is all going poorly. <laughs> and um, it it's challenging because um, I am definitely born with a lot of perf- perfectionistic tendencies. And so when I feel like things aren't going perfectly. I get real frustrated and I can be a crappy person to be around when I'm frustrated. Um, and so that impacts my ecosystem. It impacts my relationship with my wife. It impacts how I treat other people. And so one thing that I'm working very hard on is consistency in the way that I appreciate what's going on in my life. And that is part of designing an intentional life is being appreciative having perspective, understanding that, you know, even when things aren't all going well, that it could be going much poorer. And so that's something that I'm trying to get better at, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. I mean, um, you just, I think you just described a week in my life as well, and probably a week in a lot of people's lives. And the interesting part is, right, like when you talk about waking up, and having the sense of failure versus the sense of accomplishment, it, it, it's all in your mind, right? It's, mm-hmm. it, it's all 100%. self, um, created, right? Even, you know, the other side of the coin, right? The other side of, I don't feel successful enough is I feel super accomplished, right? And one most likely can't live without the other. So, you know, for, for every time that we, inflate ourselves and make ourselves feel, um, good for lack of a better word. Um, 
we actually are setting up ourselves for that other side where we've just trained ourselves that we can make ourselves make reality different than it actually is. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, part of, part of what I battle is I'm a very manic depressive person. That's just like what I am that, you know, uh, and so I struggle with that. Like there are mornings when I run around with the energy of, you know, a 21 year old and, uh, and have a lot of fun and I'm excited about something that I, I, I can't wait to start. And the next morning I will, you know, wake up in a very different state and say, that was such a stupid idea. You know, why, why did I think about that? And it, it, it can be a very dark and crappy feeling. And so bringing some stability to that is really critical to me. Um, it's the thing that I'm working the most on in, in 2021. It's something that you can't really see from an outside perspective. Like if you just read my content or you go listen to my podcast or you see me on a video, you don't really see that. And, um, so it, it's just a battle in the background. And I think that it's really important to talk about those things because I think a lot of people who are successful online um, use that success to really weave this shiny exterior. And what it does is it takes people who aren't living that same level of success and makes it seem A, unattainable, and B, it makes them feel really badly about themselves. And so part of my mission is to say like, yes, I'm having some success. Like I feel good about that, but just because I'm having that success doesn't mean that, you know, everything is shiny behind the surface. And so I think it's important for people to know that so that they, if everything's not shiny behind their surface, they still feel like they can go out and accomplish things. I think that's really, really important. Mm, that's real, man. That's real. Thank you for sharing that. And it definitely is important. What does that work look like right now? What does that battle look like? Yeah, I mean that that battle is mostly therapy. So I have a I have a therapist that I see regularly on every Saturday morning, and um, I don't envy her job, uh, you know, because she she gets to see the good and the bad. Real deal. Um, so that's yeah that that that's probably the biggest uh, thing that I've done in the last maybe eight months is is get really consistent with that. Um, Exercise is something that I try and do as often as possible. I think I shared before we started recording this morning that uh, my wife and I walk every morning. Uh, now it's been a winter snowstorm, so it's been challenging, but we walk every morning outside in Shelby Park here in East Nashville. We do six miles in the morning uh, from about 8.30 to 10. And so that's been really helpful. Um, reading is another really important outlet for me. And then lastly, I don't meditate. I, I know like a lot of people do and, and I'm just not very good at it because I have so much energy often. And so, but what I try and do is just sit alone with my thoughts and um, spend some time where I'm not staring into the computer screen or looking at my phone or writing content or trying to be creative is just to be just kind of almost doing nothing and just thinking about the things that are going on. Because if I do that, and I'm feeling crappy, I can generally come back to a much better state just by spending some time with my thoughts alone. And if everything's happening really fast and I'm not feeling super great, it's just much more difficult for me to get back to a balanced state. You said so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> 
the uh uh and and thank you for sharing all that i mean um i think the therapy piece is is super key i've i've had so many coaches and mentors in my life and um i've only just recently taken the step forward of getting uh, a business coach who you know he he plays he plays a uh, teacher sometimes he plays father sometimes he certainly plays therapist uh, a lot of times as well but um but a specific therapist focused on that i think that's great work um and something i'm i certainly um could lean into the exercise piece is is, is so important for me it's it's my form of meditation cuz i i too um, I just don't, meditation is hard. <laughs> you said it, you said it, <laughs> the bet, the closest I can get is like a six, seven mile run on the beach where my thoughts seem to just suddenly die off. And I'm a little more clear headed, a little bit more focused on the surf and the steps in front of me and, and the good sunshine and, um, and then reading as well. Um, reading, uh, man, I, I, it, it can, I can read a chapter of, of Julia Cameron or, or Stephen Pressfield. And, and that gives me a totally different perspective for the day that, that I kind of steal from them. And it's, it's, it's important. It's super helpful. What have you been, what have you been reading lately? I've been reading a couple of things. Um, one book I'm reading is just called on confidence and it's just a small, I actually just got it right here. It's, it's by something called the school of life. It's just a book called on mm. confidence. And it's, it's just really small. It's really great. And then I'm reading a, I read a Japanese author named Fumio Sasaki and he does, um, he does really cool stuff. He's, he's a minimalist and he wrote two books. He wrote Goodbye Things and Hello Habits and Goodbye Things is about detaching from things and Hello Habits is about formulating better habits. So, um, those are two really great books on the subject of habits. I just recently read Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a great book. Love that book. Um, and then when I'm, when I'm not, um, you know, reading nonfiction, um, I read some fiction. I, uh, by Tara French. I like Tara French a lot. She's an Irish writer, writes crime fiction based in Dublin. And that's like, when I need to get away from something, nonfiction does, just doesn't do it for me. So I, I'll read like a murder mystery or a detective novel and, and things like that. And that just kind of is like better than watching television, get your brain some, a break and, and, um, it gets really addicting. So I, I read a lot of, um, it's actually Tana French, I think, excuse me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Just subscribe to James clear, James clears newsletter. Um, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's doing great work. Um, I, I never get to, I never ask this on podcasts. It is really funny being, um, the podcast host that I feel like I always have to ask everybody questions and I feel like, I'm interrogating. I want to give you an opportunity. Do you have any questions for me? We're, we're, we're close enough that, um, I, I should allow you that space, um, before we, you know, before we exit, if you had any questions. Yeah, I'd be curious. Um, what happened in, in your sort of journey that, that, um, got you really amped up to, to really stay focused on this specific topic of, of intention and writing a book about it? I'd, I'd love to understand that journey. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it's, it's twofold. One, it, it was a long time coming. Um, and, and what I mean by that is like, particularly writing, like I've, 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 man, I've ignored like 12, 13 different books over my lifetime that I've just put away. Cause it's like, I, I you know, I hope my mom's going to listen to this. She's going to kill me. I, I wanted to be an English major in college and I actually majored in English for two quarters. And she's like, you'll never make any money. What are you doing? Don't do that. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I got into business. Um, and I kind of had that, that, 
that perspective over like um, creativity and art and, and writing for a long time, but it's always been an itch on my shoulder. I have probably 50 poems stored in my iPhone that, you know, when, when the time just strikes, like I have to get it out and I write it down and, and it's always been this little fun thing. I'll share it like gatherings or a party or something. And, and people are always like, that's really good, but you know, it just lives in my iPhone. Um, and then, you know, secondly, you know, 2020 for me was, was challenging, like, like it is for everyone. But, um, for me, the hardest part was realizing that even when I was successful, I think I was carrying eight clients, you know, paying me hefty retainers on a monthly basis. Like it just wasn't it. It wasn't what I thought it was. I wasn't happy. Um, and I was, and, and when COVID hit, I took a, I took a, a vacation. I started drinking IPAs every day. Um, I wasn't exercising. I was glued to CNN and I got really down, man. I got, you know, April, May and June were really dark places for me. And I'm a, I'm a peppy guy. I'm an optimistic guy. And like, I just wasn't showing up for life. Um, I, I, I was isolated literally in my back bedroom where my office was and nobody knew it, but I was just down in the dumps. Um, and so I kind of crawled myself out of that and, um, then in September, I, I, I got invited to this men's retreat, um, by a good friend named Kenny, who I kind of just said yes to because I really like Kenny and I had no idea it was going to be, you know, what was at this retreat. Um, and it was in, it was in Joshua Tree and, and it was a lot of work. It was more work than I anticipated. I thought it was just, you know, a bunch of guys getting together, probably going to get drunk for the weekend. Um, we were told to do a specific diet the week leading up, which again, I respect Kenny. So I did the diet, no alcohol, no coffee, no meat, um, very light meals. And then when we showed up, um, it continued. There was no drinking or smoking for the weekend. Um, we did, you know, we did a lot of work. We did breath work. We did, um, you know, physical challenges of like long extreme hikes. We did cold plunges. We did, um, meditation ceremonies that lasted like six hours. Um, and we shared a lot and these guys were super successful people, super, super healthy and super vulnerable. And it just inspired me. I was like, man, um, there's something to this. There's something to, and I hadn't spent a weekend like that maybe ever. And it just brought out this different side of me. And in the middle of one of the meditations, I came away thinking of that framework. And it was just something I knew I had to do for myself. It was like, I know that I have to change myself. I have to be more balanced across what I'm learning, what I'm doing creatively, my relationships, my health, um, and ultimately my work, or, or I'm just going to crawl back in that hole and I don't want to be in that hole. I'm not that person. So long answer to your question, but, but that's what happened. It's a great answer. <laughs> cool. Appreciate you sharing, man. That's awesome. I, uh, I, um, w- would like to go on one of those someday. I, uh, I haven't, I haven't found the time or, 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 or the, the drive, but I know that the, one of those would probably be life-changing for me as well. And so, uh, when everything gets back to normal, it's probably something that I'll do, even though six hours of meditation sounds challenging. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> I, I looked at them when they said that and it was all pitch black, by the way, pitch black, with nothing but a salt oh. lamp in the middle. And, um, yeah, challenging to say the least. Um, well, thanks again for coming on, man. I guess to, to kind of wrap things up, like what's next for you? What do you want the student, you know, the, the students of intention to know, um, and, and how to get in touch with you, et cetera. 
Yeah, what's next for me is continuing to create, continuing to spend time with my wife and see what creativity comes out of that. Um, you know, if people want to interact with me or read things I've written, they can check out my website. It's justinwelsh.me. It's W-E-L-S-H, justinwelsh.me. Uh, or they can email me at justinwelsh at hey.com. Um, they can find me on Twitter, Justin Sass, Justin S-A-A-S. Thanks. Thanks again, man, for not just the work you're doing, but for you joining today's show. It it meant a lot to me personally, so thank you. Hey, it's Bobby. Thanks for listening to today's show. For more, follow Student of Intention at www.studentofintention.com. And remember, don't wait. Start small. Learn as you go.